October 6th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, the fourth Brady brother mummy that no one talks about, J.P. Shadrick. I'm way too young for that. Uh, welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy two hours ahead on this Thursday afternoon. Coming up on Jaguars Happy Hour, it's analyst Jeff Lagerman. The Texans and the Jaguars coming up in week five, a one o'clock kickoff time this Sunday at TIAA Bank Field, an AFC South home divisional battle. The first of two games in a row in the AFC South of the Jaguars. Next week, it's on to Indy to face the Colts again. And then at five o'clock, the Doug Peterson show on the Jaguars radio network. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach coming up and get his thoughts going into this uh, home matchup. Legends weekend coming up. Plenty to discuss today. The Jaguars continued preparation for this game against the Texans. It was coordinator day at the podium earlier. We heard from Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, and of course, ball security in the pocket is priority number one for the quarterback, a major issue a week ago. Always being ball aware in the pocket, having two hands on, being secure in your grip. Um, and you know, that, that's one of the danger zones we talk about is in the pocket and the way he holds the football. We continue to emphasize that in the individual, continue to show him examples of good, bad. Um, you know what happens, quarterbacks, you get hit in the pocket, you're extended, you're ready to throw the football, something happens from time to time. You know, we want to do everything we can in our power with the drill work, with just emphasizing, showing him good, showing him bad. He understands that, and, and that's something he's, he's working to uh, correct for himself as well. Um, but yeah, it happens. It was very unfortunate. The, the unfortunate part in that game, at least, was there were two completely unforced. You know, we had a, we had a quarterback center exchange, and then we had one that just slipped out of our hand. Um, so those were really the disappointing ones. When it, when it happens in the pocket, it's going to happen from time to time. You, you want to do everything you can to not let that happen, but we understand that. But the, the two unforced were the ones that really, really hurt us. As Press Taylor, offensive coordinator, let's rewind to Wednesday. Trevor Lawrence knows the final result is the most important thing, of course, each and every week. But there were some things to take away positive from last week's outing moving ahead. I think the positive is, you know, seeing how well we how well we can play and how good we can be when we when we're, we don't make mistakes, when we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, when we don't turn the ball over, when we play um, in sync when we complement each other offensively and defensively. I mean, you saw us jump out of that lead early. And it's just, you know, being more consistent and doing that throughout the game. Um, we've done that the, the two weeks before. That's kind of what we did, and you saw the end result. And then this week did that early and just didn't finish. So we know we're heading in the right direction, but it's just about consistency. Now to the defense. 210 rushing yards allowed to the Philadelphia Eagles last week in the losing effort. Houston does like to run the football as well. Defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell today, he said he knows they can get back to that form. I think that's, a, that's part of it. He's another option that they have. But at the end of the day, we were out of our gaps. We didn't play fundamentally sound, so we got to get back to doing what we do. Well, what they do is, at least the first three weeks of the season, lead the league in rushing defense. That's from Sound earlier this week and today, Coordinator Day. Uh, we walk in, welcome in Jeff Logman, Jaguars analyst. Hey. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Here we are, week five. Is it five already? Already. We're in October. Yeah. It's uh, the Jaguars and the Texans. Cool weather in the air. Feels like fall. Autumn in the air. Yeah. It's almost deer season. 
It is. So season. you're fired up. It's the biggest smile I've seen in your face in a long time. Well, it's it's uh, it's October. I, I can I always look forward to October because you know October is kind of the the start of fall down here, and where you wake up in the morning and you feel like you've got uh, some fifty degree, sixty degree mornings, and you don't feel like you're gonna just be sweating all day. And so it's it's kind of nice, and it's especially nice when it when it comes to football time because that weather's cool. It's like, you know, you ever have a dog, JP? I've had a dog, yes. Okay. I have had a dog in my past, yes. Have you, have you noticed when the weather cools off, the dog just has a little higher amount of energy? Well, that's the way it is, JP. You're obviously not a dog guy. You right. haven't had very many of them because I can tell you the people that have dogs know that when the weather cools off, the dogs get excited. Well, when it comes to football season – the dogs get excited about football, too, and I'm talking about the football player dogs. Okay, because the heat of the summer is out of here. It's and, gone. And it's time it's... to play ball, and you feel like you've got uh, a little bit more endless amount of energy because the weather's cooler. Well, I got news for you. Last week's game was cool and wet and rainy and sloppy, and it didn't, was... serve, the, didn't serve the Jaguars well at all. It was a little. Game. It was a little cold. It, it was, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that – Playing in games that are wet and cold or wet and cool, whatever you want to call it, are not a lot of fun. And uh, and it was uh, kind of one of those games where you, you could sit there and say, the, you know, before the game, and we talked about this on our radio broadcast, you know, you got to protect the football when you have inclement weather. And you weren't expecting the ball to be turned over possibly six times. I mean, because it could have been six, right? James Robinson had it on the turf when he got stripped from behind, and so that means five, he was on the ground five times. Five fumbles yeah. and an interception. I mean, that's just man. You talk about inclement weather having an impact. There you go. Well, it's two teams. Eagles didn't seem to have much of an issue with that. Well, that's always the deal, you know. I mean, it's the same weather for both teams. Uh, you know, give the Eagles credit. I mean, that's you know what uh, they did a great job with it. They protected the ball. They were the more physical team, both on uh, the offensive line. Their offensive line is one of the better offensive lines in the league. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. They've got an excellent right tackle in Lane Johnson. The center, Jason Kelsey, has been a really good football player. I think it's his 13th year, and he's still a top-five center. I mean, still a top-five center in his 13th year. You know, the guards are solid players. Jordan Mailata, who ended up going out early in that ball game, is a good football player. But uh, his replacement came in, and they never missed a beat. Let's move it ahead now for the Jaguars offense. Trevor Lawrence, of course, the five turnovers, one interception in the red zone, the four lost fumbles. That's an NFL record for a single player in a single game. And <laughs> that's, that's it's amazing, good. right? No, not ideal. You don't want to have that record attached to your name. Well, moving ahead now. How, you know, it, he seems like he has the head on his shoulders to just move past that. It's not, you know, you don't want to give the ball away anytime, but he didn't throw four interceptions in bad places in the secondary either. These seem a little more fixable than maybe you would be more concerned if he's throwing four picks, or would um, you be? Well, well, yes and no. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, it's still the same number, you know, as far yeah. as giveaways, and so. But I guess my point is there's still confidence in his ability to see the field and, and downfield. Well, That's, you know. I, I get what you're saying yeah. in that as far as, okay, this is something that you – it's just a, an awareness thing, whereas if he's throwing four interceptions in a game, you're going, wait a minute, oh what, what's he seeing? Yeah, right. 
But from the standpoint of actually in the game, the interceptions might be downfield, and then you're not giving up great field position by falling at the line of scrimmage. Okay, so maybe point. from that standpoint, you would rather have the fumbles. But I, but I get what you're saying. And it's certainly um, – and Doug talked about this, and that it's, there, there's plenty of coachable, teachable moments in the game, and plenty of them for Trevor when he is in the pocket – and he has rush. You've got to keep the ball tight. Use your other hand at times if need be. You got to feel the pressure. You've got to adjust in the pocket. And on the two that Juwan Taylor got bull rushed back into him, he didn't feel it. He didn't protect the ball. The quarterback sneak where he fumbled the exchange. You got to get the snap before you start lunging forward. The snap looked clean. It looked like it came up. So I wouldn't put that on Fortner, the rookie. And then on the scramble out of the pocket, you know, you're carrying the ball like a loaf of bread and you just you can't just lose the grip on it. You know, so uh, t- tough lesson for Trevor. And then on the interception, the interception was a poor decision. You know, he had a, an underneath guy, and I think it was Jamal Lagnu, that he had open underneath. And you had, you had it perfect. What I mean, you had it perfect. You had one guy on the defense that was forced to cover two and a half guys. So you had exactly what you wanted. You just needed Trevor to make the right read. Well, the uh, defensive back, Bradbury, kind of guesses on the play and guessed correctly that Trevor was going to throw it to Kirk, and he just steps right in front and makes the pick. If you throw that to Agnew, you know, Agnew's got, I mean, okay, last time I checked, how many return touchdowns does Agnew have? A bunch. Like nine? Yeah. And then he count the, uh, the field goal return for a touchdown. So, I mean, Jamal Agnew in open space with one defender to beat, I'll take that any day of the week, right? With sure. a potential blocker in front and Christian Kirk, you know. So uh, Trevor's got to throw that underneath and uh, and then live with it. And then uh, he had some plays that he missed down the field. So all in all, you know, I, I, the one thing I appreciate about Trevor is that he never shies away from taking accountability or being a, a, an accountable quarterback. And he talked about it, and he said that after the game, he did it just like he would after a good performance. You know, he reviewed the film on the plane and then to kind of put it to bed so that the next day when they meet about it and talk about it, that he's prepared to uh, to be able to get better, make the adjustments, and listen to the coaches, and then uh, move on. And that's, I think, very smart. So he's a very mature quarterback, JP, and I think we all kind of realize that. And this is kind of a, a measuring stick, a test for Trevor Lawrence. Can he bounce back? against a division opponent that many people believe that you should beat and bounce back from the game that you had in Philadelphia. Zay Jones missed last week's game, wide receiver with an ankle injury that popped up on the report Thursday of last week. He's back on the report this week, limited though, and back out on the practice field some. How different of an offensive attack can this be with Zay? Did we see... How much different did they do without him in the lineup last week? Well, I don't think it had much of an impact because the reality is is that the conditions weren't great. So, I mean, yeah. Zay's kind of a take-the-top-off-of-the-defense threat. And, uh, you know, you definitely missed him because he's a good football player. But, you know, Jamal Agnew came in and did a pretty good job. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to complain on that. Yep. The reality is is that Trevor's got to be better. Christian Kirk has to be better. He did not have a great game. Marvin Jones didn't have a great game. He had a drop as well. It ended a streak, I think, of 117 consecutive games with a catch. Yep. And it would have been 118, but he had the drop. You know, So uh, it, it goes around. 
you know, as far as the the accountability, responsibility of the poor, poor performance on offense. But boy, the uh, the majority of that load falls right at the doorstep of Trevor Lawrence. This week, the Jaguars face the Houston Texans, and I gotta say, who are these guys on defense for them? This is not the Texans defense that you're you're accustomed to over the last decade or so. They've had so much change in personnel and people and scheme and. And everything's just new in Houston. Who are these guys? Uh, well, you tell me. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's, you know, the J.J. Watts and uh, – Clowney uh, and – Merciless Whitney. Yeah, and, Whitney Merciless. Or yeah. Whitney Merciless. I mean, all, all, all those corners. great they players that corners. they had. They had great linebackers. I mean, they – you know, they had really, really, really good defenses, and, and that has kind of gone by the wayside. And, and right now, if somebody asked me who the best Texans defender is – I really couldn't give you an answer because I, I don't think they're very good. Um, I don't think they're very good in the front seven. I don't think they're great in the back end. I think they've got some young players that I think are, 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 that many people believe that they can be good. You know, their second-round pick Petrie from Baylor's good player, good young player. And then they've got Derek Stingley, who is uh, their first-round pick corner from LSU, who really – JP, did he play any in the last two years for the no, most no, part was, at LSU? He was banged up a lot the last year, especially. Banged up yeah. a lot, and he's supposed to be a this uh, exceptional man kind of coverage corner. Oh, he was he, for a year. I mean, okay. about three years ago. <laughs> but, JP, you know? they play cover two zone yeah. with Lovey Smith. It's like, okay, what are you doing? Um, and maybe they're – Drafting for the future when Levy Smith is not the coach. You know, you mentioned Petrie, and he's around the ball a lot, like three tackles for losses, couple interceptions. Yeah, he actually had uh, one of the first young, or one of the youngest. I think he's one of the only rookies to ever have two interceptions and a sack in one game, and he got that against the Bears yeah. earlier this year. But uh, many think he's a talented young player, but the front seven is where you really need to take advantage of because look. Petrie's a young player. Right. So if you're kicking their rear ends up front to where you're running the ball effectively, and oh, by the way, the Texans are the second worst run defense in the National Football League, now the Texans are having to get out of cover two. They've got to load the box to delete their coverage a little bit. And so now you can find big plays on the back end. But you find that after you establish the run and you take advantage of what I would consider. Um, not a great front seven, you know. When you when you watch them, you know, and there's you know veteran guy Jerry Hughes. Um, Jerry Hughes played for the Colts, played for the Buffalo Bills. Was a, a very good sacker. He's got four sacks this year. But man, when you watch him play the run, he's terrible. He's terrible. Run it right at him every time. I mean, I'm seriously running at him every time. The guy goes up the field and takes himself out of the play every single time. You know, and the linebackers, you've got Christian Kirksey, who's been a good football player, veteran player, plays hard. And then uh, Grugier Hill, Camus Grugier Hill, who's an outside uh, weak side linebacker that does a good job. And he's a try-hard, play-hard guy. But, I mean, as far as talent, I mean, they just they don't have a lot of talent. Their defensive tackles, JP, nameless guys. I mean, seriously, nameless guys. They're just guys. So it's the running back day then. Run the ball, right? Well, and that's I think that's where it's going to come down to um, when, from a, lo a lot of different angles. From, 
the Jaguar standpoint, taking advantage of that front seven, and then also from a defensive standpoint that you need to stop Damian Pierce, who's a very good young running back of the Texans. And we'll come back and flip it around to the Jaguars' defense and their matchup this week against the Houston Texans. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. Coming up at 5 o'clock, it's the Doug Peterson Show. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on Thursday afternoon, week five. The Jaguars and the Texans coming up at the bank this Sunday. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, bank better. We'll go in the air at 10 o'clock Sunday with the Publix Tailgate Show. And then at noon, it's countdown to kickoff. We will count 60 whole minutes until kickoff. The entire clock. Yes, we'll go all the way around once from noon until 1 o'clock. They'll kick it off here at the bank on Legends Weekend. We'll Legends. Get to that. We'll get to that coming yeah, up. Yeah, it's going to be a fun too. weekend. I think so. Uh, let's uh, get into this Jaguars defense in the matchup against Houston on offense. And you mentioned it. We'll get to the quarterback coming up. But Damian Pierce, young running back. They're handing him the football. He's coming off a nice game uh, last week. And, uh, you know, there you have his, at least on Jaguars.com, if you're watching, the guy was in the end zone 23 times at Florida in his career. It was not a huge yard gainer there, but he could cap it off and, and finish drives in the end zone. Uh, but here he is in Houston, and he gets a lot of work already. Well, and that's really what they're leaning on right now as an offense. And uh, the impressive thing about Pierce is that every week he's gotten better. You know, he's almost uh, doubled his yardage output on a week-to-week basis up until this past weekend. You know, uh, this past weekend he had, I think, 131 yards rushing, 14 carries. He had the 75-yard touchdown run. And the impressive thing is that he makes people miss and he doesn't go down easy. He ended up having six uh, broken tackles in this game. And... 100 of the 131 yards that he gained were after contact. That's impressive. And so it's not like he's a runner that just had clear sailing with these great big massive holes to run through. Now, he's got a couple guys up front that are pretty good up front, and a lot of people may know the right guard very well. A.J. Can, right, former Jaguar? He is the uh, starting right guard for the Houston Texans after starting here at right guard for many years since going all the way back to the – 2015 draft where he was a third round pick the right tackle I really like Titus Howard I think he's a young ascending player the left tackle is a proven commodity and is a really good player in Laramie Tunsil the uh, center and left guard are kind of eh the the left guard's a rookie who really struggled last week against the Chargers and that's uh, Kenyon Green who was their second first round pick and he's from Texas A&M big guy Big guy, and he has moments. He looks really good. But, man, uh, Tillery, the defensive tackle of the Chargers, kind of had his way with him a little bit. And then the center right now is Questenberry, who is a backup. 
their normal center is has been hurt. So it's an okay offensive line, but that's really the motor of this offense is the running back because their quarterback has regressed from what many people thought was was a pretty dang dang good rookie year. That's Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford, still a young player in the NFL. And, yeah, there were a lot of people who had him as kind of taking some big steps. But uh, so far this year, uh, 900 yards, five touchdowns, four picks already this season for Mills. Well, to give people an idea what I mean by regress, I mean, you go back to last year, he was – completing the ball at a 66.8% clip this year. It's fallen off to 62%. His uh, touchdowns last year, he actually had more touchdowns than interceptions, 16 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. And this year he's got just one more touchdown than interception, 5-4. to four. His rating has dropped about 8.5 points this year. And that's just not supposed to happen in year two for a young quarterback. So – I think he's got an average arm. Uh, you see a lot of completions in the, in the short to intermediate and in the middle of the field. I don't think he has the, the arm talent to be able to work the outer edges and perimeter of a defense. Back to this running game, and of course last week the Jaguars' defense gave up 210 rushing yards to the Eagles. Uh, Foley Fatakasi is on the injury report uh, this week with a quadriceps injury. He did not practice again today. Yeah, I don't see him playing this it's week. It's not trending the right direction, no. we'll say that. So, um, you know, how concerned are you with the interior of this Jaguars' defensive line right now without Foley if he's not available? Well, well, very. I mean, that, that I think, was the uh, number one problem with the defensive performance last week was the performance of those three guys up front. You go to the two previous games against the Chargers and against the Colts, the Jaguars' defensive front absolutely dominated both of those teams. From Devon Hamilton to Fadakasi to Roy Robertson Harris to uh, uh, even big guy ninety six uh, drawn a blank, Adam Gotsis. Yes, I mean they were all all of them dominant in those two games, and then you go against the Eagles and they got pushed around, and when they got pushed around a little bit, the and we knew this, that it was was going to be a challenge to face this Eagles offense because it's a run-pass option, read-option offense with Jalen Hurts, who has good mobility. He's not Lamar Jackson. But the style of offense that they run, it can make you indecisive. Well, when you have three guys up front that are getting knocked around a little bit, then that makes it even harder for the linebackers to have something declare to where they can attack it downhill. And so it was a, a, a little bit of a perfect storm. Bad performance, you know, up front, not, not what you wanted out of your three big guys. Uh, I, I think the scheme early on wasn't exactly probably what they wanted. And then the indecision by the linebackers. And then also, look, the Eagles, give them credit. They're a good football team. And you have to account for the quarterback in that offense in Philadelphia, too, so that's an extra just body you, you have to count for. Well, a lot of people don't, don't understand that concept. And to give it to them from a, from a number standpoint, when, when you try to outnumber the offense and as far as, like, stacking the box, you know, you're trying to stack the box. You want, you know, and they say, hey, we got eight guys in the box and they've only got seven blockers. We've got an unblocked defender. Well, when the quarterback becomes a viable runner, you don't you lose that advantage because you now don't have 
one guy that can't be blocked because he can be blocked because of either the fake handoff to the run to the running back. Now misdirects that eighth unblocked guy, and then the quarterback is now a viable runner, or the running back could be a blocker. But then also when you have the RPO where you stick it in the running back's belly, and then you're thinking as a defense, okay, is he going to hand it off or is he going to keep it? Well, there's actually the third option is he's not going to do either, and he's going to just pull it out and throw the ball. And that's why facing that kind of an offense is incredibly difficult for a linebacker. And in those games – your uh, your upfront guys, they have to have a really strong performance, and they didn't get that against the Eagles. Well, then take us through the linebacker performance last week, and moving ahead for a guy like Lloyd and and um, well, and the linebacker Well, you, and you have to JP. That that's not the only two linebackers on this defense. We mm-hmm. and I, and I think sometimes people say, well, you know, Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen aren't linebackers. Well, yeah, they are. They are in this defense. Okay. I thought that all four of them were a little reluctant as as far as attacking the run and a little unsure. I think it was arguably not Josh so much, but with, with Foyer Lewican, Devin Lloyd, and Trayvon Walker, I thought it might have been their worst games. But, I mean, they haven't had bad games yet. So, I mean, when I say worst games, relative it, it's all relative played. to where they were at. Especially with Devin Lloyd. Devin, the, the two previous games was fantastic. Um, as a as a pass rushing group, you kind of noticed a mindset that that was a little different. They they were very concerned, obviously, about what Jalen Hurts could do if he got out of the pocket, and you could tell that from a couple of different ways. They were they they were pass rushing by taking some of these linemen down the middle, and when you take an offensive lineman down the middle. You're trying to power rush him, but then you can peek either side of that offensive lineman to come off and make a tackle of Jalen Hurts if he decides to scramble. But what that does, it kind of takes your aggressiveness away. And in some aspects, it took away the power because instead of center massing a guy, bull rushing him down the middle and hitting him with power, they weren't hitting him with power. They were too busy doing – Looking in the backfield. Yeah, what's yeah. going on back there okay. with Jalen Hurts instead of, you know, power rushing, just play your game. And I, I would bet that – I know that if, if I was a coach or if I was a player that I'd want to do it differently the next time. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so cautious maybe or as concerned about Jalen Hurts the next time. We'll come back in a moment. We'll take a look at the injury report. It's out. For both teams. Uh, We'll get an update on Thursday's status for uh, both the Texans and the Jaguars. And check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you download podcasts. This program, of course, archived there. The Huddle Up podcast, the Ozone podcast, the Jaguars broadcast weekend review podcast. We've got podcasts coming out of our ears every week. Give us that five-star rating as always. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. PRI Productions, the Southeast full-service event company, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com and learn more. 
It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It's Thursday afternoon. It's week five. I'm J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman alongside Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber. Glad you're with us on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and 1010XL. And 92.5 FM on this Thursday. We're everywhere. We're all over Duval today. The Jags and the Texans and the Jaguars 2-2, two two, first place in the AFC South. Time now for the injury report. Presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we take a look first, of course, at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Four players on the report today. Outside linebacker Caleb Chazon with an ankle issue limited today. Zay Jones with his ankle issue limited also. Cole Van Lannan, offensive lineman with a hamstring issue limited today. Foley Fatukasi did not practice today with that quadriceps issue suffered in last week's game in Philadelphia. On the other side today, the Houston Texans on Thursday had five players that did not participate in the uh, uh, practice today. That was this morning. They practiced early in Houston. Linebacker Blake Cashman with a concussion. Austin Deculus, offensive lineman with an ankle issue, did not practice. Jonathan Greenard. Defensive lineman, ankle issue. Brevin Jordan, a tight end with an ankle issue, did not practice. And wide receiver Chris Moore with a hip issue, did not practice. No one limited today. And a few guys who were out earlier on Wednesday were back uh, to work or were limited yesterday. We're back to work full today for the Texans. So there you go. The uh, early couple weeks, the Jaguars didn't have anybody on the list, which is odd. I mean, it was the first time I remember that happening, but now a couple guys starting to creep on there. We mentioned Fado Kasi and the impact that could make on the run defense for this uh, Jags team. Chazon, special teams contributor for the most part right now for the Jags, and then Zay Jones, um, obviously a starting wide receiver for this team, so you got to get those guys healthy and back out there playing. Yeah, they'll. they'll I think uh, they're trending in the right direction. You know, Doug was pretty confident early in the week when he said that all those guys will be back at practice. And typically, when you say that as a coach, you're pretty confident that they'll be back uh, available, possibly for the game. So uh, we'll have to wait and see to know more. But uh, Fadakasi is the one that you're, you're worrying about. Uh, they've got a guy on the practice squad though who is not kind of your typical practice squad guy in his 13th year. Corey Peters, okay, Corey Peters has been in the league uh, for for quite some time, been a good football player, big stout guy, and uh, got good hands. He's he's a large dude, and I think if he has to play, I think he'll play well, and I'm not concerned about that overall. You know, you're not as – I don't think he would have as much range as a Fadakasi. When I say range as far as – he can he can make tackles somewhere in this room, JP. But if he has to be out of this room, he <laughs> might not make it. You know, well, he's six three, three thirty five. So big pretty, body, pretty big. Thirteenth year in the league. Yeah, he's been way. around a long time. He's where all has he played? He started out in Atlanta. Yeah, so he was with the Falcons from twenty ten through twenty fourteen, and then with Arizona after that. Every year since then. Okay. So two teams, 152 games, 132 starts in his career. You got some mileage on him. You know, 19 sacks, big nose tackles. Not going to get back there a whole lot, but, you know, impacts plays. 50 tackles for loss in his career, and he's been at it for a long time. What did he do last year? Last year. How many games played? 14, 11 starts. Okay. So he four tackles, three for a loss. I mean, he was was active. Okay. He played. Yeah, that's uh, that's the luxury, the the 
in this uh, COVID world we live in now with the expanded practice squads, it gives you the ability to really have more people on a roster than what you used to have at 53. Mm-hmm. And uh, the practice squad used to be limited to kind of developmental guys, and now you're allowed to put veteran guys on it, and it, it like, doesn't matter. Was it like 10 guys when I first started here 10 years ago? Yeah, like, yeah the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, the practice squads, we didn't even used to have them. You know, a few years back, there was no such thing as as practice squads, and then, then they added the practice squad, and it was a, a minimal number of guys. I want to say it was four or five, and they had to be uh, rookies or first year players, and then it, they expanded the the number of practice squad, and then then they changed the rule about the the number of years of service you could have one guy or two guys on the mm-hmm. practice squad that were past you know two or three years in the league and then now it's like you can do whatever you yeah. want then covid happened and they expanded everything <laughs> and you can put yeah. you know yeah. joe namath on your practice squad <laughs> if you wanted to <laughs> right you know yeah if his knees could handle it well uh yeah. no they can't yeah no, joe's, joe's, joe's knees are bad no i yeah. don't think so so you have it. Um, yeah, a few things to watch for in the next day or so when the official status comes out Friday for both these teams, and uh, you know it's a big divisional matchup, of course, coming up. Hey, uh, we're gonna... a matchup that they have the Texans have owned eight in a row and fourteen of the last sixteen. I mean, that's the only wins in that time. Both uh, the the season sweep in twenty seventeen for the Jaguars in the run to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I, I yeah. my prediction this week is that look. Uh, you ended your, what was it, 17, 18-game road losing streak when you went out to California and you beat the Chargers in L.A. So you ended that streak. And I think that you end this streak this week with the Texans by beating them at home here at TIA Bank. You know, what I think about that, too, is that, and kind of, I think Doug Peterson talked about this earlier in the week, you know, they break all these streaks because they don't really care about these streaks because not a lot of these guys were here. Well, for those yeah, streaks. I mean, these guys weren't part of it, you know but, what the, I mean? but the fan base was. Well, sure, I mean, we all were, but that's their approach to it. It's like, hey, we're just going to go set a new standard. Well, and, and here's the reality, okay? When one, two, three weeks ago you were getting ready to face the Colts, right? The players, a lot of them that are here, didn't know what it was the past history was with the Colts. Yeah. But what did you hear them all saying after the game? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. They're yeah. all saying, yeah, you know, we always felt confident playing, yeah. you know, we always feel confident playing against the Colts in our own house. <laughs> okay. So you don't think the Texans are kind of doing the same thing? And, and maybe the, the mindset of the Jaguar players is, is that, hey, look, you know, this Texans team has had our number. So, I mean, if something doesn't go well early in that golf in that ball game, are you, as a player, going, "Oh, here we go again"? Right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just it's something to think about. And and the reality is, is that the Texans have you look at their record against all of their opponents that they've ever played. They have like a six twenty five win percentage against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is an expansion team. The Houston Texans were, and that's I think the second highest rate of success versus any team that the Texans have played. I think the higher rate is they, they're, like uh, I think, undefeated against the Miami Dolphins. And then I, I can't remember. One other team they played, they've got a really, really good win percentage. But as far as in the division, that's their best win rate is against the Jaguars. So, 
You know, and, and here's the reality. We all know that this is different than college football, even though this year we've seen, I think, App State beat who this year? A&M. Hmm. Okay, so we've seen that in college football, but in the NFL, you always know that the old saying on any given Sunday, and that does apply. But the reality is, is that the Texans are a team that is in transition and rebuild mode. And, and, and so are the Jaguars. They are in transition with a new staff and new players. But the Jaguars are a little bit ahead of where the Texans are. And so you want to see the Jaguars show that, that they are ahead of where the Texans are by putting an end to this streak, especially because it's uh, Legends Weekend. Mm-hmm or I should say alumni weekend, because a lot of us alumni are not anywhere near close to legend say, status. Yeah, who's, who's naming this? Yes. <laughs> and is that a self-name? It's like, did we give ourselves that name? Uh, I don't know. Hey, we'll come back, though, and get a little more into that. Some of the, the events ahead this weekend for the alumni players coming back. Tony Baselli got the key to the city today. He already has like five of them, I think, right? Do you think he can make me a he copy? He could unlock most doors in this town if he wanted to. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to take that key to the hardware store and get one made. <laughs> it's allowed. I don't know if it'll fit in a machine. Uh, if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Jaguars Happy Hour coming up at 5 o'clock, the Doug Peterson Show, and this is the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville sports fans. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and if you're watching on Jaguars.com or Jaguars social media, a live look outside of the bank at the Miller Electric Center under construction right next door and the footprint of the old practice fields. Well, not the old practice fields, but the newest old practice fields that will be once new again once this is finished. The indoor facility is just moving along day by day along the expressway on the far side. And then the main building is massive. The, the fields are starting to, or the, the grandstand at least, on the side of the fields is starting to, to go up. So there's a lot of progress this week, Oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, do you know where the, where the old field, practice field, used to be? Uh, well, at Daly's Place now, right? In that or that that kind of area down. There. Yeah, that's south right. South end the, of the stadium. The uh, the the first the first place that we ever like conditioned on uh, for for off season conditioning training etc. We actually went out to the old baseball grounds. Oh, right here in in the parking lot where this is now. Correct. Yes, right. And then well, no, uh, at uh, Wolfson Park. At Wolfson Park. Yeah. And then uh, the when the the old Glidden Paint Factory was knocked down, they built this pristine beautiful practice facility on what i'm sure was uh maybe a little bit of a contaminated area huh. we practiced there for a few a uh, few years and then it was moved up to where currently uh, this whole project is going on right now but uh it's a it's, it's going to be an amazing complex and it's gonna uh, you know put the jaguars up with the modern nfl teams because it seems like every team in the national football league has a facility that's something similar to this 
I mean, remember we went to Minnesota for training camp. They have their own facility and their own place out outside of Minneapolis. Yeah, theirs is a little unique in yeah. that it's not at the stadium, yeah. number one, but then there's a whole development involved with the training facility. There's a medical complex. There's a uh, stadium there that houses or paths host high school football games, championship games, and I think you probably even could have a, a college game there. Yeah. And then they have all this whole development that's uh, in and around that medical facility, so quite the undertaking in Minnesota. Yeah, and then, of course, we're in Atlanta, Flowery Branch. and uh, They that, were the first ones. That, that place is fantastic. Yeah, they were, they were the first ones to really build the, the suburban – type monster complex and and they have i don't know exactly how many acres they have i want to say it was like 40 acres in the in a range of 40 acres because the players back in the old day they were actually deer hunting on the grounds of the facility <laughs> I, I knew some guys that were with the falcons that used to deer hunt right there and uh and then they built these um uh, apartment kind of complex down below to house the whole team for a training camp and then they expanded the facilities uh, in in a big way. It's uh, it's it's quite the it's quite the place. Well, you mentioned the old practice fields, and many of the players who are returning this weekend practiced on those fields. It's Legends Weekend. Tony Vaselli will be uh, honored uh, at halftime. He will be presented his Ring of Excellence from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the first 15,000 fans will receive a Tony Baselli number 71 teal rally towel, courtesy of Baptist Health. And you can take pictures with Baselli's Hall of Fame bronze bus starting at 10 o'clock Sunday morning in the Fan Entertainment Zone. And you can catch a screening of 71, the behind-the-scenes documentary. That's at Daly's Place at 11 o'clock as well. So a lot going on Sunday and a lot of guys coming back on Alumni Weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen the list yet with uh, with everybody that's coming back. I know that uh, one of my all-time favorites is coming back, and I'm looking forward to seeing him, Tony Brackens. All right. Who was uh, one of the most talented, one of the great Jaguars in its history. I mean, great pass rusher, great athlete, super guy, and uh, super successful now post-playing career. Um, uh, always a big fan of Tony Brackens, one of my favorites. And then, at, uh, as we mentioned at halftime, uh, Jaguars owner Shad Khan will um, uh, be out there on the stage as well, and there'll be a special announcement commemorating Baselli's legacy. Not sure what that is. We'll find out at halftime. So uh, a lot going on. And, yeah, and well, got, yeah, what else is happening with the alumni this weekend? Events all weekend? What's yeah, there, there's uh, there's qu- quite a few different events. I think they start on. Um, Friday, where there's a, a, a thing at Top Golf, and then there's a Saturday breakfast, and then they get to uh, it's come a quick in. Quick turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's going to be. Uh, <laughs> there might be a, f- a few fellows that. Uh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Feeling a little rough at breakfast on Saturday, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they come in and they'll, they'll be able to watch the practice. I'm sure they'll get to meet some of the players and and the oh, coaches. The, walk, the walkthrough, yes. On yeah, Saturday. the walkthrough on Saturday, and then. Saturday evening, there is a at the the Ritz Theater yep. downtown. Yep. It's going to be like a cocktail hors d'oeuvres thing for the former players, and then the showing of 71. the documentary of yeah. seventy one, mm-hmm. and uh, that will end uh, soon after that. And then everybody will head their separate way. And then there's you know game day. They got a tailgate party going on with family and friends of Tony and former players, and and then. Uh, 
Uh, players are going to be at the game. I think they'll be out there for at the halftime, the presentation of Tony's Hall of Fame ring. So it's going to be cool. It is going to be cool, and uh, it's turned into. I can't a, wait and, to see the ring. Uh, yeah, it's huge, right? Well, I, I don't know. That's I think what it is. I, I, I mean, I've seen these before. They're they're pretty big. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably it's like uh, I don't know if it's is it big and gaudy like the the Super Bowl rings that have been. <laughs> Made in the last be. couple years that you can't even wear them on a day to day basis because it just. We always joke it with Tony on <laughs> pulls on, your arm down on Mondays with with Prisco that he should wear the jacket on the air, and he actually had it in here the other day for um, something, some shoot he was doing, and we mm-hmm. we couldn't talk him into it because he had a t shirt on and he wouldn't he didn't want to wear it on the show and have Prisco you know rip him for it, but maybe the ring, maybe we can get him to wear the ring on the show, and he could show it on the I don't know we'll see. Yeah, I, we'll see. I don't. It's it's hard to talk him into some of that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, well, look, uh, because if you know, we, we we like to give him a hard time. If he wore the gold jacket in the radio broadcast <laughs> booth, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we'd have fun with it. No, but it's cool. I'm I'm super excited for him and super happy, and excited to have some of these former players come in to celebrate with him because you know a lot of those, you know, the cool thing about Tony. Is, is the humble, how humble he was with the whole process this summer. And then when he decided what was going to go in his locker at the Hall of Fame, I thought was it's going to touch a lot of guys' hearts that played with that 95 team because the, the 1995 team autographed football is in his locker yep. at the Hall of Fame. And that's pretty, pretty unique. That's really cool. Uh, everybody's in there with him. If that's yeah, exactly. And, and so we're – you know, all, all of his former teammates are just celebrating with him and very happy for the moment and, uh, you know, and, and hopefully excited to watch a Jaguars win against the Texans. Speaking of the Texans and the Jaguars coming up in week five, the Jags at two and two, the Texans at 0-3 and one. They've been in most every game. They lost a big lead week one to tie that game against Indy. Then lost two tight ones the next two weeks. Lost by 10 last week to the Chargers. The Jaguars are looking to bounce back after a loss last week in Philadelphia to go to 2-2. Two and two, And now eight straight losses against the Texans. 14 of the last 16 have gone to the Texans as well. But, hey, Logs, wins this week and next against Indy. All of a sudden it would be 3-0 and oh in the division oh, for the Jaguars. We're, we're moving ahead. Hey, let's, I've let's already locked this game on Wednesday on Huddle Up. Jeez. It's a lock. Jaguars win. Moving on to Indy. It's going to be 3-0 and oh in the division. What a I start. Mean, talk, talk about getting ahead of yourself. I mean, let's just, you know, look. Get this one and enjoy this one. And, and I, no, I, I've, I honestly didn't know who we had on the schedule. After this week, you want to hear the rest of the games? No, too? We JP. Can go after, no, we can go down no, the no. list if you want. No, and look, the Colts I think will be much improved by the time the Jaguars face them again. I, I, I'm when you've got a veteran quarterback, you're going to figure it out at some point, and so I think that they will not be the same team that the Jaguars faced here a couple weeks ago. And this Texans team, how many times have we said? In years past, oh, the Jaguars are going to win this one. You know, it's the Texans. You know, they're they're a dumpster fire. Oh, they're terrible. You know, just like what I was talking about a few minutes ago. Now, the reality is, is that they're a pro, professional football team. Okay, so that means that they can win. And if you don't play well, they will win. So you've got to make sure that you play well. 
Quit making self-inflicted errors, fumbles, overthrows, drops, out of gaps on defense. All that's got to go away. And if they do, they can hang with any team in the NFL. They've proven that at least a couple times. Well, and you, and you, you know, you got to have your quarterback play well. I mean, that's you know, that's kind of an each and every week type of thing. And and at the very least, you can't have your quarterback, you know, hurt you with giving the ball away. And we've never seen anything like that with Trevor Lawrence. And I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's mentally tough. He has been mentally tough for a long time. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the success that he's had nearly at every level that he's that he's been at. And so, I think he's going to come back and play exceptionally well. Excuse me, exceptionally well this week. All right, um, coming up tonight on television in Jacksonville, it's Jaguars All Access from Big night. Strings Brewery in Springfield on Fox Thirty tonight at seven o'clock. Josh Allen, your regular co-host and special guest, Jamal Agnew, who had a big game, uh, had a real nice game last week, had the two touchdowns, and he ended up having four catches for fifty yards. Had a nice game, nice game. I talked to him uh, this week and Cam Robinson about the play where they set up the screen on the left side in the second quarter. And uh, Jamal cool. said, all I saw was green jersey, so I had to wait on my guy. And his guy came in and uh, pancaked a defensive back. Yeah, I want to say, I think it was Bradbury that Cam Robinson got. And he just, he just literally trucked him. And Cam is super athletic. That's the one thing about Cam Robinson. And what I love about this coaching staff is that they are playing to the strengths of their players. When you have an athletic tackle that can get out and run in space like a Cam Robinson, okay, we'll do some things to where he is allowed to do that. And that's, you know, that's a big change from in years past around here to where you see custom-tailored game plans yep. to the skill set of the players, and it's awesome to see. All right, uh, Doug Peterson show coming up in a little over a minute from now. What do you want to hear from the Jaguars head coach tonight? Well, I want to talk about the quarterback. You know, I want to find out, you know, what his perspective is on it. And uh, because to me, that's the number one question going into this week. All right. It's coming up shortly. The Doug Peterson show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach here in studio in just a few minutes' time as the Jaguars try to maintain their standing in first place in the AFC South with a big divisional game coming up Sunday. The Houston Texans are coming to town on Alumni Weekend. And, yes, the Colts are next, Logs. That's uh, two weeks away from right now as the Jaguars. All I know, JP, it's, it's yes. not the Colts, okay? We, we got the Texans this week. Next next week we're going to Indianapolis and we're going to eat some good shrimp cocktail. But let's not get into Who's the game we? yet. You are going. I'm, I'm you know, sitting we right We as here. in me and Baselli <laughs> and Frank. Bucky. Take a nice photograph and send it back. I will. I'm sure you oh, will. Do you want me to bring you back some of that cocktail sauce that they have? I'm good. Okay. It's very good. Uh, coming up next, Jaguars Radio Network coverage with the Doug Peterson Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach to get his thoughts ahead of this Week 5 matchup. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.